Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. So, Gospel of Mark, we're preaching through the Gospel of Mark. I'm in chapter 2. I'm just doing a bit. Please, if you haven't read chapter 2, crack that Bible and read it this week. There's a lot to think about in there. You know, some years ago, I'm, I'm at church where we used to be, and this has to be like 20 years ago, and I get a call from my mom. She lives in Strongsville. I'm in Brecksville. Hey, Doug, um, can you come take me to the hospital? I think I'm having a stroke. No. Call the ambulance. No, I'm not calling the ambulance. Come take me, you know. Mom, what are your symptoms? Well, I'm not, you know, she's having a stroke. So I get in my car, and can I say... I might have broke a few laws that day. You know what I mean. If your mom called you or your dad or your child and said, I'm having a stroke, you're half an hour away, are you going to go like, oh, it's 25 here, right? Like a red light meant pause, look both ways and go through, right? I'm sorry to say that, but I just did because I'm like, my mom's having a stroke and she won't call an ambulance, you know? Um, and, it, you know, it, it all worked out, you know, she did have, a, she used to have many, many strokes. Um, but uh, it, all, it all worked out fine. But I broke some laws. And I thought of that when I came to this passage because these guys have trashed the house. They've trashed what many commentators will say was Peter's house. Look what it says. And when he came back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he had, was at home. Now, some commentators say his home. I think maybe Peter's home. And many were gathered there so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. You love that, the word is speaking the word. And they came bringing him a paralytic carried by four men, being unable to get to him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, can you imagine? Like, they're breaking some laws here, aren't they? They're like, yeah, we got to get this guy to Jesus. Just tear a hole in the roof. Who cares if it rains, right? I mean, right? and, so, and they, so they removed the roof. They dug a hole in this, like, mud and straw or whatever they made it out of, an opening, and they let down a pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And you'd think Jesus would be like, dude, do you not care about this house? You know? Um, so here he's, like, coming down through the broken roof, possibly at Peter's house. And then it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said, how can you tear a hole in the roof? No, it's like, it's like it's a normal day. Oh, look, they're dropping a guy down, right? You know, and he's, do you, do you see faith? Right? Billy's like, I see faith. I don't know. You know, the Bible says the wheat and the straws are going to straw go up together. Like, the, like you have the, in the church, look around, there are people going to heaven and people who aren't going to heaven, people who know Jesus, people who look like they know Jesus. We don't really, it's hard to see faith. But what can we see? Well, what really counts is faith expressing itself in love, right? In action. So I think Jesus, of course, he could see their faith because he can see the thoughts and knows what's going on. But we look and go, oh, there's love in action. And I wondered if, if Jesus was here, if he'd look out at us and go, oh, I see that faith. Oh, I see their faith. What does faith look like? You know, I, I think faith looks like this. You sink, they float, right? It's 10 o'clock. 
your friend who's going through a really difficult time calls you, you see their number, you're like, oh, I was hoping to go to bed, right? And you answer the phone and you listen for 45 minutes to an hour and they go, thank you so much, I really needed this. And you're carrying their burden, you've lost sleep, you know you have to get up early for the men's Bible study the next day, right? You know, and so you sink, they float. This is the way it is financially, you know, your faith in action. You sink, they float with your time, with your gifts. Like this, I, I believe this is what the cross looks like. You sink, so others float. And Jesus looks, and they're sinking, right? I mean, they're tearing up a house. The house sunk, so this guy could float. The people are carrying him. And then look what he says. He says, son. Now, in the KJV, the word for son in the Greek is translated child 77 times, and son 21 times, and daughter once. You know, this is like an endearing term. Meet the guy for the first time coming down through the roof, and he's like, child? They could have translated it, child? Son, I mean, Jesus, you could see, is just moved. He's like 30, 33 years old. Son, that's kind of offensive, isn't it? The guy might be older than him, right? Child, but no, he's the son of God. Everything was made and created through him. He's, he, he and the father are one. Son, child, it's just, he, loves, he loves this guy. He looks on him with compassion. And then what does he say to him? Your sins are forgiven. And you have to think, the guys are listening, the four guys dropping him down, the paralytic, and they're like, uh, you missed the point, <laughs> right? Um, Jesus, he's, we'd, we'd, we're not really looking for that. We would like, we'd like him to be healed, right? You know what I mean? Like you, hey, uh, Peter, clue that guy in. We, that's not what we're looking for, right? I mean, it, here he is. And you have to, I mean, you've got to wonder what they're thinking, right? I mean, this is what's going on. Years ago, a friend from church uh, calls me, and she says, uh, will you come to the hospital and pray for this little boy? Now, this little boy, I had met him before. He had been on dialysis. He was very young. He had some crazy disease where his body attacked his own kidneys, and it destroyed his kidneys or mostly destroyed. And so he was on dialysis till he grew big enough for his dad to give him a kidney. So he grew big enough. I, he was like three, three and a half, four, something. He was young. And um, his dad gave him a kidney and his body started attacking it. So we go to the hospital and mom is there. She's been living there for a month. Rainbows, babies, and children. And, and Annalie says to me, let's pray. And we lay hands on this guy, and we pray for him. And sometimes you feel power, right? Sometimes it, there's this flow, and it was happening. But I also prayed for him to come to know Jesus. I've lost track. I don't know what happened. But I thought, Lord, I want him healed, but if he's healed and he doesn't know you, it hasn't gone deep enough, right? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does it profit somebody to be healed but not know the healer? So about a month later, I went and visited, and the mom says to me, you know, Pastor, he's taken a turn for the better, and nothing changed. We just can't really figure it out, except you guys came and prayed. Do you think God did something? I'm like, oh, 
maybe he did, right? You know, like, like he got better. And the Lord healed him. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those like, bam, but it was this slow progression of him getting better. But the point is, is, is that healing alone isn't deep enough. I like what Tim Keller says. He says, Jesus knows something the man doesn't know that he has a much bigger problem than his physical condition. Jesus is saying to him, I understand your problems. I've seen your suffering. I'm going to get to that. But please realize that the main problem in a person's life is never his suffering. It's his sin. If you find Jesus' response offensive, please at least consider this. If someone says to you, the main problem in your life is not what's happening to you, not what people have done to you, your main problem is the way you respond to that. Ironically, that's empowering. Why? Because you can't do very much with what's happened to you and about what other people are doing, but you can do something about yourself. True, isn't it? When the Bible talks about sin, it's not just referring to the bad things we do. It's not just lying or lust or whatever case may be. It's ignoring God in the world he has made. It's rebelling against him without reference to him. It's saying, I will decide exactly how to live my life. And Jesus says that that's our main problem. Jesus is confronting the paralytic with his main problem by driving him deeper. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus is saying, by coming to me and asking only for your body to be healed, you're not going deep enough. And isn't this the way it is? Like we're always arm wrestling God for control. We're always people who are trying to save ourselves through a myriad of ways. And instead of saying, Lord, you be the savior, help me to walk by your spirit. And this is a daily thing. The reason is you and I, we've got this like sinful nature, right? Spiritual nature, if you're born again. And, and it's a daily thing of going, Lord, I was driving again. Uh, come, take the wheel, right? Yeah, yeah, I, here it is. You know, so it's a daily. Repentance isn't a one-time past event, right? Your love broke through is today, right? Yeah, today. And this is what, this is what Jesus is saying to him. Well, now some scribes and Pharisees were sitting there questioning in their heart, why does the man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God, right? Oh, I wonder who this guy is standing in front of me. Right? And immediately perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves. I was like, why did I put a quotation up there with the word thus? We don't speak that way. Immediately, Jesus perceives in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, says to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, take up your bed and walk? Good question, isn't it? So how would you answer it? I mean, really, like, if you're sitting there, Jesus could say, hey, which is easier? Take up your mat, your sins are forgiven. How many are in the your sins are forgiven camp? That's my camp, by the way, right? Right, that's my camp. You know why? Because the other camp, you know, take up your mat. What? The guy's like, thanks for saying that, Doug, but it's not happening, right? At least... You really can't see the forgiveness, right? So you're like, oh, sins are forgiven. Whew, done. Guy's still paralyzed, right? I mean, which is easier? It's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? 
Which is it? So I think the, the question I want to d- dive into a little bit more is this whole forgiveness of sins. You know, they said, why do you speak like this? He's blaspheming. You know why? Because to break any of the, the commandments, right, you have to break the first one, right? If you lie, you're worshiping other gods, right? Because you're saying, a lot of people lie because of fear. You're saying, I'm afraid of something, what you think about me, what's going to be the consequence or whatever it is. Something is functioning as your demigod that is not God. And they know that to, to commit adultery, to do like to covet. It doesn't really matter. Just list the commandments. You got to break the first one. No other gods to have the other. And so they, they're like, no, only God can forgive sins because God is the one being offended, right? You know, imagine uh, Randy and Leslie are here and Leslie punches Randy in the face. I, it's fictitious, right? And I go, oh, you're forgiven. Randy's like, what the heck is he talking about, right? You can't, wait, I am the forgiver. She didn't punch you, she punched me. How can you forgive sins? Well, if you sin against the living God first, right, he's the one who can forgive sins. But forgiveness always works that way, doesn't it? Have you guys ever been offended by somebody? Right, maybe once. You know, when, when, when somebody hurts you, you know what it does? It creates an emotional debt of pain, and you feel it. And what's your choice? Revenge or absorb it? Is there any other way? You know, Billy and I are in a fight, and he punches me. I have a choice. Punch him back or absorb it, like take it. You don't, you don't have a choice, and, and it's hard Because we want to punch back, right? We want to make them pay. We want to insult them. We want to gossip about them. We want to ruin their reputation. We want to slander them. You know why? It feels good. There's some pleasure in getting even. So, you know, in in many relationships, there's two types of people. There are the stuffers and the blowers, right? Right? The stuffers are the passive-aggressive ones, right? And I was talking to somebody, they're like, oh, yeah, my parents wouldn't talk for four months at a time. Wow, two passive-aggressive people. That is not healthy, right? It's like, I'm going to hurt you by giving you the cold shoulder. Now, the blowers, you know it, right? Shrapnel everywhere, you know, and they're like, oh, I did it again, you know, right? I mean, mean, there's two ways to make them pay. They're both violent. One is silent violence. One is loud violence. But it's like you're going to make them pay in one way or another. That's the way it works. But you know the problem is revenge changes us. Right? When we make the other person pay, we become like the evil that's done to us. And that's why it's just so sickening to our souls to be people who, when we're hurt, we become like the hurt that happened to us. Unforgiveness is like po- taking poison and hoping the other guy dies, right? It is. It's, it's just the, it's the way it is. But we can also absorb it. Like letting go of your anger and hurt can feel like weakness and vulnerability, but it's mixed with peace. It feels like death. It feels like death. You give up your right and you absorb it. I remember years ago, if I told, I'm not going to give you details, but um, I don't know. 
16, 17 years ago. You know, I had a situation in my life where I, someone really hurt me. And I held on to my anger for seven days. And then finally, I remember sitting down and letting go and absorbing it. I felt weak because there's power in getting somebody back. I felt weak. I felt vulnerable. But the peace of God started coming in. Maybe you're here, and this is where you are. You're like, you know what? It's something I need to let go of. And by the way, forgiveness is not a one-time shot. No. No, it, it, it happens every time it comes back to your mind. Did you ever ask yourself, how would Jesus answer the question? Which is easier, right? For me to say your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your mat and walk. How would he answer it? I think he'd say they're connected, right? I think he'd say they're, they're connected. Look, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all, which is easier to say. When he said, rise up and walk, he's saying, I'm going to bear that. When he's saying your sins are forgiven, he's saying, I will take your place. Which is easier? They're connected. And when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he, when he felt the, the incredible cosmic loneliness of being deserted by the one he's always had fellowship with, it was for you and for me so we would never experience that. They're intermixed. So he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And you know, forgiveness does not make what happened to you okay. Forgiveness does not mean the person shouldn't be held accountable. It doesn't mean you should have, shouldn't have boundaries, but it does mean that you give up your right to hurt back and to ruminate. You know rumination? Cows have more than one stomach. We don't. But it's like I got multiple stomachs in my brain when I'm offended, right? Because I barf that stuff back up and chew on it, right? You know what I'm talking about because you do it too. You, you have multiple stomachs in your brain and you barf it back up and then you think about the hurt that's connected to the emotions and, and you go over and forgiveness is like when it comes up, nope, 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 this is not going to define me. No, I'm, I, Lord, Lord, I'm, it's not going to define me. One author said this, vengeance is like having a video recording planted in your soul that cannot be turned off, and it plays the painful scene over and over again inside your mind, and each time it plays, you feel the clap of pain. Forgiving turns off the recording of the pain memory. Forgiving sets you free. Yeah. You, like Jesus, absorb it, let it pass through you right to the cross, right to Jesus. Now, why did God put this in the Bible? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Well, we want to take revenge. God's like, that's my job. That's my job. You know, there's this uh, interesting section, kind of a throwaway section, not the scripture's throwaway, but it's the end of this book. But I think it has a lot to say to us about the brass tacks of Christian living. Uh, in, so Paul is writing to his protege, to Timothy, and he says, 
When you come, bring a cloak that I left with Carpus of Troas, and also the books, and above all, the parchment. So he's like, hey, can you bring this stuff with you, Timothy, when you come? And then look, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. And then he says, and may the Lord forgive him for all the bad stuff he did to me. No, what does he say? The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Isn't that interesting? There's other places, read in Colossians 3, at the end he's writing to slaves and he's like, these people will be held accountable. Because there's something inside of us that when injustices happen, this coppersmith probably beat him up really bad. And, and that we can say, Lord, I give this desire for revenge to you to have your peace. Lord, I give it to you. That's what, that's what Paul's doing. But then look at this. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposes our message, right? He'll beat you up too. That's what he's saying. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me but deserted me. So this guy's beating me up, and none of you Christians, you all ran. And now look what he says. May it not be charged against them. So on one hand, he's deserted by all his buddies. He's like, Lord, don't hold that against him. Don't hold it against him. But this guy who beat me up really bad, who opposes your message, God, you, you will repay him. There's something in the brass tacks of Christian living where we give our vengeance to the Lord, and it's okay. It's okay. You know, I thought of some stuff that Kashif posted in last week. So Pakistan, they're tearing churches down. These are people who have had their houses burned, their Bibles burned, people who have uh, had their families beat up. The police are standing there watching this stuff go on. You know, this is them ripping the, the cross down, and they're, you know, they're like, we're breaking the windows or other pictures of, of just trashing the believers. And, and, and what do these people do? What do the ones who don't have a house, who are sleeping in a field, do? Well, on one hand, they're like, Lord, you repay them according to their deeds. It's not, we're not taking up guns. We're not taking up arms. God, that, that's yours. And, and Father, we also hope that your good news goes out to them, right? We pray for that. Like, I think this is part of the brass tacks of living because forgiveness is a gift, right? It's a gift. Son, your sins are forgiven. It's a gift. And forgiveness is a gift that we give. Why? Because Jesus gave us the gift. You ever notice in Scripture, love as you've been loved, give as you've been given, accept as you've been accepted, forgive as you've been forgiven. If 